You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, you can head on over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. If you would like to support this free podcast, you can do so by sending a tip through Venmo to the handle Mystical City of God. Today is day number 344. We are reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 11, Paragraphs 595 to 602. Chapter 11. The Lord, by new favors, raises the Most Blessed Mary above the state described in the 8th chapter of this book. 595. In the eighth chapter, I have stated that the Queen of Heaven for a thousand two hundred and sixty days was nourished and maintained in the condition and state described by the evangelist, as described in the twelfth chapter of the Apocalypse. The number of days made up more or less three and a half years, and brought the Most Blessed Mary to the sixtieth year of her life, plus two months and a few days, and the forty-fifth of the Lord. Just as the stone falls, the more swiftly the closer it approaches to its center of gravity. So in proportion as the great queen and mistress of all the creatures advanced toward the end of her most holy life, the more swift became also the flight of her purest spirit and the impulse of her desires to arrive at the center of her eternal rest and repose. From the moment of her immaculate conception, she had issued forth like a vast river from the ocean of divinity, where she was conceived in the eternal ages, and by the inundations of gifts, graces, favors, virtues, merits, and holiness. She was now grown in greatness beyond the limited sphere of all creation. The impetuous floods of her wisdom and love resistlessly rushed back to unite themselves with the ocean of the infinite. For thence she had issued only in order to shed forth over and over again her maternal clemency upon the church. 596 In these last years of her life, the great queen had already, by the violence of her love, begun to suffer a sort of ceaseless martyrdom. Without a doubt, it is true in the spiritual order what philosophers claim in the corporeal, that the nearer a moving object approaches its center of attraction, the more powerfully is it drawn to that center. And the most blessed Mary had now approached so closely to the infinite and highest good that she was divided from it as is said in the Canticles, Canticle 2.9, only by the grading or partition of mortality. 
This did not any more suffice to impede the reciprocal vision and love, and between them was only the vast force of love, impatient of all hindrances to complete the union, so that all other desires were swallowed up by the one immense desire of overcoming and doing away with these hindrances. Such was the desire of her divine son, held back only by his reluctance to deprive his church of such a teacher. Such was also the desire of the Most Holy Mother. Although she restrained herself from asking for the natural death, could not restrain the forces of her love, and thus felt the violence of the constraint of mortal life of the fetters hindering her flight. 597. Yet, as long as the conditions predetermined by the eternal wisdom had not arrived, she continued to suffer the pains of that love which is strong as death. Canticle 8.6. Through them she called upon her beloved, who came from the retreat from the mountains to dwell in the village of the plains, Canticle 7.11, to view the flowers and the fragrant fruits of his vineyard. By the darts of her eyes and of her desires, she wounded the heart of her beloved, and drew him from the heights into her presence. Hence it happened once, in the time of which I am going to speak, that the ardors of love in the Most Blessed Mother grew to such proportions that she could truly be said to be languishing with love. Canticle 2.5 For without being affected by the infirmities of our earthly passions, she languished on account of the impetuous of her loving heart, drawn toward the Lord, in order that just as he was the cause of her ailment, he might also be its glorious medicine and cure. Her holy angels, full of admiration of the effects of their queen's impetuous love, spoke to her angelic words in order to soothe her ardors by inspiring her with hope of secure possession. But these remedies allayed not the flame, but rather enkindled it, and the great lady answered only by conjuring them to tell her beloved that she was languishing with love. To him they brought her message and presented to him the tokens she desired. On this occasion and on others of this last part of her life, as I wish especially to state, were fulfilled in her, the only and worthy spouse, the hidden mysteries of the Canticle of Solomon, and so it came that the supreme princes of heaven, who were present in visible form, were obliged to support her in arms on account of the pains of love that overcame her. 598. Then her divine son came down from heaven, seated on a throne of glory and surrounded by myriads of angels who gave him praise and magnificence. Coming to the most blessed lady, he refreshed and comforted her in her pains and said to her, My mother, most beloved and chosen for our delight, the clamors and sighs of thy loving soul have wounded my heart. Come, my dove, come to my celestial fatherland, where thy sorrow shall be turned to delight, thy tears into gladness, and where thou shalt rest from thy sufferings. Immediately the holy angels at his command placed the queen at the side of the Lord, her divine son, and with celestial music they all ascended to the Empyrean heaven. Mary fell in adoration at the throne of the Most Holy Trinity. The sacred humanity of Christ kept her at his side, causing new accidental joy to all the courtiers of heaven, and according to our mode of speaking, exciting anew the attention of all the saints, he presented her and spoke to the Eternal Father, saying, 5.99 My Father and Eternal God, this is the woman that gave me my human form in her virginal womb, that nourished me at her breast, and sustained labors for me, 
that shared in my hardships and cooperated with me in the works of redemption. This is she who was always most faithful and fulfilled our will according to our entire pleasure. She, pure and immaculate as my mother, through her own works, has reached the summit of sanctity according to the measure of the gifts we have communicated to her. And when she had merited her reward and could have enjoyed it forever, she deprived herself of it for our glory and returned to attend to the establishment, the government and instruction of the church militant, and we, in order that she might live in it for the succour of the faithful, deferred her eternal rest, which she has merited over and over again. In the highest bounty and equity of our providence, it is just that my mother should be remunerated for her works of love beyond all other creatures, and toward her the common law of the other mortals should not apply. If I have merited for all infinite merits and boundless graces, it is proper that my mother should partake of them above all the others, who are so inferior, for she and her conduct corresponds to our liberality and puts no hindrance or obstacle to our infinite power of communicating our treasure and participating them as the queen and mistress of all that is created. 600. To these words of the most sacred humanity of Christ, the Eternal Father replied, My beloved Son, in whom I have the plentitude of my pleasure and complacency. Matthew 17.5 Thou art the firstborn and the head of all the predestined. Romans 8.29 And in thy hands I have placed all things. John 3.35 In order that thou mayest judge with equity all the nations and generations and all my creatures. John 5.22 Distribute my infinite treasures and communicate them as thou desirest to thy beloved, who clothe thee in passable flesh, reward her according to her dignity and merit, which are so pleasing in our eyes. 601. In accordance with the pleasure of the Eternal Father, Christ our Savior decreed, and as it were pledged himself to his most blessed mother, in the presence of all the saints, that from henceforth, as long as she should, live in mortal flesh, she should on every Sunday, after finishing her exercises of the Passion, be brought by the holy angels to the Empyrean heaven, and there, in the presence of the Most High, celebrate in body and soul the joys of the resurrection. The Lord also decreed that in her daily communion he should manifest to her his most sacred humanity, united to the divinity in a new and wonderful manner, different from that in which she had enjoyed it until that day so that this might serve as a pledge and foretaste of the glory which he had reserved for his most holy mother in eternity. All the blessed understood how just were these manifestations of his glory and greatness in his holy mother, how well they correspond to the dignity and holiness of the great queen, and how well they were merited by her full response to the divine operations in her. All of them sang new canticles of praise and glory to the Lord, who was so holy, just, and wonderful in all these works. 602. Then Christ our God turned to his purest mother and said, My most loving mother, I shall remain with thee always, as long as thy mortal life shall last, and I shall be with thee in a new manner, so wonderful as neither men nor angels have known until now. In my presence thou shalt not feel lonely, and where I am there shall be my reign in me. Shalt thou rest from thy anxieties? I shall be thy recompense in the narrowed space of thy exile. For thee the fetters of thy mortal body shall not be irksome, and soon shall thou be free of them. Until that day comes, I shall be the end of thy afflictions, and I shall release the barrier still opposing thy loving desires. In all this do I give thee my royal promise. While these promises and favors were lavished upon her, 
The Most Holy Mary was immersed in her ineffable humility, praising, magnifying, and thanking the Omnipotent for his beneficent liberality and annihilating herself in her own estimation. Such a spectacle can neither be described nor understood in this life, for here was to be seen the infinite God freely proclaiming his mother worthy of assuming the highest place in the estimation of his infinite wisdom, while she in rivalry with the infinite power humiliated herself, abased and annihilated herself, though meriting the exaltation she received. This concludes our reading today for day number 344. We've been reading from Volume 4, Book 8, Chapter 11, Paragraphs 595 to 602. Today our reading emphasizes the love of mother for son and son for mother. Mary relating her heart to Jesus, Jesus coming to her and sharing things with her. Jesus going to the Father, appealing on behalf of his mother for specific graces he wishes to give to her. This is a reading that draws our minds to think of Mary's longing for the kingdom of heaven. And we know that we are nearing the end of volume four, that we will be completing this work of the mystical city of God. And we know that soon God will bring her body and soul into heaven. And so as we make our way through the reading it's almost as if we're anticipating that. We're waiting for this to occur because we know that this has been dogmatically proclaimed by the church and that it was believed for centuries what God did for his mother by bringing her into eternal life. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.